This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hi, Brenda Mullard. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. And I'm so excited that we can have this conversation today because for those of you listening, Brenda and I have actually not only met in person, but hung out downtown in Nashville, which I think was one of the most exciting things I've ever done away from the UK. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm really happy to be here. So today we're going to be talking about art. And obviously, as a musician myself, the whole idea of the arts um, whichever part of that that we we come to I think is so important because it, it connects us to an expression of ourselves. and I think it's as the curriculum starts to be sort of brought narrower and narrower within within the system I think having opportunities to be able to do it from people who really know what they're doing online and especially in the current situation I think having these opportunities and, and Brenda does have um, the opportunity for you to do online stuff with her which is actually fantastic but let, let's start a little bit about your your sort of day-to-day art life and how that works within the school system. Sure so I am in Wisconsin United States our day-to-day um, classes, basically, I'm currently um, teaching at a middle school level. I have taught kindergarten all the way through high school, um, even taking on student teachers at university level. But our day-to-day structure of classes is basically we have the kids for about 53 minutes. Um, at the middle school level, it's 53 minutes every day for about nine weeks. Um Our elementary structure is about 60 minutes once a week. Um, Kindergarten is a little different. It's 30 minutes twice a week, usually. Um, And then our high school is very similar to the middle school level. The the high school level is about 53 to 60 minutes every day for about nine weeks. So it's broken into, into quarters for the intermediate level classes. So does that mean you, you do a nine week course and then that's it for the year or it comes backwards and forwards throughout the year? Well, it depends because kids have the the ability to schedule their classes. So some kids who are really into art and who who are planning on going into a creative career down the the road, um, they can take more than one art class in in a year. Some kids, depending on what their schedule looks like, some can fit it in, some can't fit it in. Um, It it just kind of depends on for intermediate for high school kids. It it depends on what they um, what they want to do as far as what will fit in their schedule and what their career goals are for middle school. um, It's a little different. The the year um, schedule is a little more structured, but they do have the ability to take art classes. Now, it gets a little bit dicey because some kids want to take more than one art class but the way the classes are structured sometimes if they take another art class if they take two classes in a year and they want to take an art class the next year they are kind of repeating the same class that they took the year before so it's more structured for our middle school class kids because they can take one art class um in seventh grade and then one class 
art class in eighth grade. And then sixth grade, they're required to take it, um, to take a one nine week class just to just to get a taste of it and to get the exposure and experience of it. And then they can choose if they want to take another visual art class in seventh and then another one in eighth grade. Right. Yeah, because here, here in the UK, you sort of, you have art um, within the primary system. Then when you get to secondary school, so we're sort of talking age 11, 12 upwards there, you have one, two, three years, depending on how the school's structured it before they get into sort of the GCSE examination stage, where there's art within the curriculum, and then you then elect to go on and do an exam on it after that. And I personally found, I mean, I, my with my hand on my heart, I would say I'm a terrible artist. But I also know that I don't ever remember being engaged in art to the point where I thought I was actually being taught some of the actual basics in terms of, of, of some of the, uh, the, the skills that are needed to be an artist. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And so I certainly know from sort of a musical point of view, you know, it's that kind of... Without, without understanding some of the some of the the real sort of fundamentals of 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 perspective or or drawing or or using paints and that kind of thing we sort of covered some of that but it was some of the actual the real nitty-gritty of being able to get what I saw or what was in my head and actually to have the ability to to put it down on paper if, if indeed that was the, the type of thing that we were doing and, and I just think Certainly, in in the way, if you were doing maths and English, you know, you'd start to learn about grammar. You start to learn how you build sentences. You start to learn how that then becomes part of a bigger um, project that you might be working on. Art never seemed to really have that for me, um, which I, I feel slightly sad about because I think had we sort of had more time with it, I might actually then have would have had the understanding and have been able to take that forward. I'm not saying I would have ever been a great artist, but I think without that, you start to get labelled into you either good at art and you can do it. Or I'm not good at art. And I think it's not as straightforward as that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the problem with a lot of a lot of adults. What happens is you're, you know, you're in elementary school and you think that you create whatever you want and it's awesome. No matter what it is, no matter what it looks like, um, no matter how it turns out, you're in love with it, basically, usually. And then once we hit middle school, for some reason, we start to judge ourselves. We start to have to think, usually we think other people are judging us and judging what we make. And really, I mean, let's be honest, they probably could care less. But for for ourselves, we start to judge, you know, what we know, what we think we know, what we think we can do. And I think that's across the board with a lot of things, um, whether it be visual art, whether it be music, whether it be, you know, other core class areas, if it's uh, athletics, whatever. Um, but I think a lot of the problem is that I find people, kids, adults, they, they want to create, they want to make things they want, they see something that they think is cooler or neat, and they want to reproduce it. And one thing is, like you said, they don't know the basics of what it actually takes to create that thing, or that um, that piece of artwork. So they don't understand that, you know, there are color, there's color theory developed into um, what they're doing. There's, uh, you know, like you said, perspective that needs to be 
brought to attention of what things are overlapping each other. Why, why does one thing, um, why is one thing smaller than the other? Why, you know, there's, there's all of these little elements and principles of art and design that it takes to make really, really good artwork. But we lots of times don't understand how those all work together to make good artwork. And when I say good, that's a very vague definition of everybody's idea of what's good is different. But I think when you can understand maybe some of the art history of where things come from, um, why the artwork that we see today takes on a look the way it does, because it's, you know, everything in history repeats itself. Um, you know, you, you realize that the idea of maybe something that you wanted to create, it is not your original idea. They're, they're really in, in visual art. There's really no, if you think about it, original ideas that come up today and now. It's usually something that was brought through that history has kind of developed or evolved, but it started somewhere and I can guarantee pretty much things don't start unless it's technology based maybe, um, that things don't start just right now. If that makes sense, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, because you've either seen it, you've heard it, or or it's a reinterpretation of something, even if you can't remember what it was. You know, that, right. you know that, 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 that sense of, I guess it's a bit like a musical scale. You know, there's only so right. many notes, and you can rearrange them in different orders and in different ways, but the chances are it's a version of something, and it just depends on how 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 close the reinterpretation is to something that you then recognize. Right, right. And I think lots of times when when adults or even kids, like, you know, there's there's so many people that say, I can't draw a sick person. I can't draw a straight line. I can't, I can't, I can't. And really, in essence, I feel like it's you just haven't had the right teacher. You just haven't had the right teacher. You haven't you haven't been exposed to somebody who one is teaching in a way that you understand and that it is either fun or interesting for you to learn, or they're not speaking your educational language. Everybody, everybody learns in a different way. And whether it be auditory or visual or whatever way that you learn, you just haven't found the person that can teach you the way that you learn the best. So I always feel like when people say I can't do art, I, I just always tell them you just haven't found the right teacher yet. You haven't found the right person that can show you the best way for you to learn how to do what you want to do or that you want to create. Yeah, I think I think that that's absolutely right. And I think I think if you if you have a real affinity for it, may, maybe you maybe you find the way and and I always think this is the same so much in education you know you don't quite get the expanse that you need often within school to say I'd like to know how to do this because it comes the other way around it's the school saying you're now going to do this <laughs> and and, right. and and so like you say if you get it then fantastic if you don't or like you say or it's being um talk to you in a way which you don't necessarily understand or it doesn't have the same affinity then you kind of do the best you can in the situation you can and, and I think like you said before you then have that kind of I can do this subject or no I can't or you struggle through to the point where it gets you to a point where you can either then drop it or you you get the grades that you need but you're focusing on other things and I think if we could just sort of change that slightly so that you can expand into it 
as much as you need to to get something out of it then that would be fantastic but i guess we're talking about changing the whole way the system works and we know that's no no easy feat (laughs) no no and i i think you know if if teachers are given the ability to teach the way that they can diversify their the way that they're teaching their students and each student has the ability to learn in their own way i know that's a i know that's a pretty big um, that's a pretty big think for classes when you have classes of kids that are, you know, 30 kids in a class, whatever. But I think when you start to have the ability to actually teach individual, the individual child versus a huge group, um, you know, you know, as an educator too, you, you, you will see those light bulb moments where, there's just this all of a sudden this idea of they understand they get it they have pride in what they're doing they you know it's just a whole different it's a whole different feeling for kids but it's a whole different feeling for the teachers as well you you feel like you know that they've got it or that they've accomplished something that they didn't think that they could um and as a as an educator that's that's huge. That's why we're here. That's the, those are those moments of okay, I am doing the right thing for the right people at the right time, um, and and that's the, those are those those educator moments that you kind of live for. Absolutely, and I and I, I it's interesting because I do get that on a fairly regular basis in um, when I'm teaching drums and percussion because it might be that we're covering the same material, but do I do the same lesson twice? absolutely not because a lot of the time it's one-on-one so you know you have that ongoing dialogue you know do you understand this try this do that ah right okay have you thought about it this way you know let me show you this or whatever it happens to be and you're right you can start to you find the sort of the furrow which works for that person you like to say whether it's a bit more visual is a bit more oral or or a bit more kind of using different senses in a different way but you can only get that when you have the time and it's that sort of individualized thing. And that's the reason I really love the way that you can do things online now, as well as just having large class lessons, you know, because it's that kind of if if you're not if you're not getting what you want from something, you can find a way now to go out and get it in a different scenario. And I think that's that's really going to be huge for people, especially if you're not going to put all your energy into one subject in terms of making it your career, but you know it's an integral part of who you are, then that's really important. I sort of think a lot of a lot of the people that I've worked with in the past, you know, doctors who just have their their sort of scientific brain, gone to university, have got their 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 work mode going. And then you I see them years later as like, but I need to play my violin again or I need to play my trumpet again because that was such an important part of who I was but you know how do I go about doing that now and I think I think art for so many people is the is the is the same thing and it's so important to everybody to have that creative element whether it's something you're taking into a profession but actually if it's just a personal thing for you right I I totally agree I see the same thing uh with a lot of actually it's kind of funny because I have a lot of students who I may have had in say high school and they, you know, they are told in high school, um, you know, you need to go and do this as a career. I have a a young lady in, in my mind that, um, she wanted to, she wanted to go into a creative career. She wanted to do graphic design and her parents were just hell bent on, um, she was going to be a, 
um, a surgeon. She was going to be a hand, a hand surgeon, and that's what she needed to do. That's what she should. That's what she would be good at. Um, and she, you know, I, I was like, okay, you know, I'm. I knew in my heart. I knew she'd come back. I knew she would. Um, but you know, when when you have parents telling you what you should be doing versus you know what you kind of want to do as a high school kid, you you're going to follow your parents' advice probably. And so she started in school as a hand surgeon, and she got about a year and a half into it, and just I don't want to say hated it, but it was not what she wanted to do. And lo and behold, she went back to back and changed her major. <laughs> and started graphic design and is doing amazing. And, um, you know, I guess when it comes to um, professionals who have walked away from something that they loved at one time, I, I always tell my kids, if you are 40 years old and you are looking back thinking there's something missing, what am I, what am I not doing? What am, what am I missing? What is, what is, what am I wanting to go back to do? And you go into your garage and you pick up some um, woodworking tools or you pick up a paintbrush and start painting again, or you uh, grab some clay and you, you know, throw, throw yourself onto a potter's wheel and you start, you know, doing pottery or whatever it is that you found that you loved doing in high school or whatever and you get creative and you start working in that side of your brain again and you find ultimate joy, whether it's um, three-dimensional or two-dimensional work, um, and you find that happy place again, I have done my job as an art teacher. I have done my job because you have really, you have come back to realize that what you were missing was the creativity that you used to love. Yeah. And so... I always feel like whether it's whether it's a doctor, a plumber, a electrician, a teacher, whatever, um, I think everyone has a creative side to them, and sometimes they just bury it. And then when they realize that that's the part of their life that's missing and they come back to it, as educators in a creative field, I think that's where that's where we can hang our hat and say, yep, i'm I'm done. <laughs> I did my job. That was that was what I was meant to do. I think that's so important, and and I think I think even having this conversation, which I love, it's why I love the podcast so much. It, it's that ability to be able to say, you don't need at any point to get rid of anything if you love it, you know, because it's it's the essentialness of who you are and your expression, um, and however you fit it into the framework of your life. You should keep it going if it gives you joy because it's going to give you something which you need to express in some way or another. And and I think that's that's so important. And tell me a little bit about how art was for you because you obviously made it into your career and you must have had that passion for education as well and, and, and how that started to morph because obviously, like you say, you have the option of, of teaching adults as well as children now so how did all that sort of come about and how did you manage to maintain that as you were going through your education years sure so um I knew um I knew in second grade that I was going to be an art teacher now I took some different turns and twists and things before I got there but 
Um, I came from a family where my dad was a special education teacher. Um, he taught special education for 40 years um, before he retired in 1987, actually. Um, but I would be in his classroom all the time. I um, would help him correct papers. I would help him get things ready on his board at night because we, for a little while, we were in the same school. And so after school, I'd head over to his classroom before we'd go home and I'd help him prep for the next day and do all the stuff that teachers do. And so I've always had education behind me all the time. And I was very fortunate that both of my parents, um, I had wonderful, wonderful, supportive parents that just whatever I wanted to do, as long as it made me happy, they were behind me 110%. And so I never had to fight the, um, you know, you're going to be a starving artist thought to anything. I, I, they never even brought that up. That even wasn't even a, a conversation in, in our house. Um, but I knew that I loved working in the schools, the school setting. Um, it's just where I felt comfortable. It's where I felt at home. And, and so when I, um, graduated high school, I started out thinking, um, I really, I, I always loved art when I was in high school. I, of my senior year, I had a seven hour day and six of those hours I was in the art room. I literally built my schedule to be in the art room six hours. And I had one humanities class that I had to take. <laughs> um, so, so my, my art teacher had actually built me a little corner studio in her room. I could come up there anytime I wanted. I kind of came and went as I pleased. It was kind of funny. I, the, it's, it, my schedule in 1990 wasn't quite as, uh, intense as they are now, but, uh, that's kind of where the point that I knew, um, that art was going to be part of my life. But the, the problem was I had not my parents, but I had a lot of outside influence saying, you know, you should be a special ed teacher. Your dad was a special ed teacher. Um, you're going to get a job really easy, you're, there's just tons of openings. You're going to, you're good. You'd be great. Your dad did it. And that's what you should do too. And so when I started college, I started with um, special ed and I got into my second year with clinicals and I, I was working my first, my first rotation was the at-risk group, my kids that are really um, behaviorally challenged. And I honestly kind of, I really liked that one. <laughs> um, they were, they were really a challenge, but once you crack that hard shell, um, you could kind of, you could kind of work your way into them and, and you saw the person that they really were not so much the, the toughness of the behavior issues, but more of the person they were. And so I, I really liked the, working with that group, but the next group I had, <clears throat> was um, severe disabilities. And I really struggled. I really struggled working with that group. Um, I just, it didn't fit me. It didn't fit, it didn't fit my style of teaching. It didn't, it just didn't fit. And so I kind of did some soul searching throughout that whole experience. And I went back to my professor or to the, I went to the, the um, professor of the, the arts building at the time 
Um, he was in charge of all the, all the art stuff. And I sat down and had a conversation with him and he basically had changed my route. He, um, he sat down with me and just, you know, laid out everything that there was. I had already had a bunch of education classes, so I didn't have to do a lot of the education part of it, but I had to go back into the art part of it, which I had no problem with. And so that kind of, that kind of brought me onto my path of back onto my path of art education. I always knew education and it was part of who I was. Um, it still is today. I can't imagine not teaching. I love teaching, whether it's online or in person or to kids, adults, you know, whatever. I love the teaching part of it. It took me that roundabout way of um, figuring out that, you know, coming again, coming back to that passion, people telling you what you should do and listening to what you should do versus what in your heart, you know, you should do. Um I, it brought me back to the the path of of where I should have been, and I never looked back since. I I really identify with that. My parents were incredibly supportive about you know do what you love. You know, life is too short to kind of do what you think or anyone thinks is is the right thing. You know, if you're happy, then go for it. And um and I I really understand it's tricky for people because you know the struggling artist thing is is a big thing for so many people isn't it because you know the, we know many people who are artists who are struggling you know finding a a regular income and all of those things but that's what i love about talking about these things because the whole thing about being creative and inspiring is that there are different ways to find a way around that we're still human we're still living in this modern western world or the or in terms of where what we're talking about at the moment um, and and that means that you have to pay the rent or the mortgage or your groceries or whatever it happens to be, and um, and it's a combination of all those things. You know, we talk about having a portfolio career. You know, I, I sort of have my professional playing career. I have my teaching. I have the podcast. I'm at, you know a mixture of all of these things. And every time I'm not quite sure how that's going to morph. It always goes back to that passion. You know, and not just about. I'm a musician or I'm an artist or whatever that is. It's about what area of that, you know, there's certain parts of performing, which I love with certain people, other bits, not so much certain parts of teaching in certain environments, which I love not so much in others. And so it's not so black and white. There's, there's that whole area of the gray. And even that you need to find where your passion lies and where, where your stomach and where your gut is telling you where to head. Right. Agreed. Yeah. I always, I always think it's so interesting when um, people kind of veer, just like my student I talked about earlier, they veer from the path that really is what you should be doing. It's what your heart tells you you should be doing. It's, um, you know, where you, where you need to be and you end up veering back to that, to that path. And I think in today's world, gosh, with the internet and, all of the different social media areas, I think as a as an artist, no matter if it's musical, visual, um, dance, whatever, um, theatrical, there are so many opportunities now that when I was, you know, just graduating high school or even in, in my early years of college, um, when the, I mean, this makes me sound really old, but um, when the Internet first kind of started becoming a thing. There are so many opportunities that you can put yourself out there. 
you know, if we think of all the musicians that are found on YouTube um, and, and become, you know, famous or, you know, whatever, I guess you don't need to necessarily be famous to make a good living at what you do creatively. But, um, you know, if we look at all of the different ways that people are, are now found, there's really, if you are really willing to put yourself out there and you are really ready to, you know, f- see the good, bad and ugly, because you'll see it all um, as a creative, you, there's nothing stopping anybody today from being successful at either making art, creating music, dance, theater, you know, whatever art area that you are a part of. There, there's there's nothing stopping you from becoming successful if you are willing to put in the work and the time and the learning and all of that good stuff that you need to be successful online. There's there's nothing stopping you from being successful other than yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the irony, of course, of that is the fact that you are creative already you are you are that type of person so you you know we should have as as a creative person you should have those skills to really help you sort of go through all of those different options as as well so let's 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 take that full circle now then so tell us exactly sort of your your breadth of of artwork as it were how does your your life sort of split up between being in school your online world and 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 also how you sort of went from that being an educator in a more traditional sense into this kind of entrepreneur educator sure so i would say probably about Five years ago, there was an article in Artist Magazine, and it was about a gentleman who taught art classes online. And his name was Matt. And I had sent him an email and reached out to him just on a whim, thinking, well, if he answers, great. If not, great too, whatever. Um, and just, I read this article and thought, man he's just teaching in a different setting. He's still teaching. He's just doing it on camera in his home, um, in a little studio area that he had set up. If he can do that, what's stopping me from doing that? And as much as I love um, teaching in person and at school and all that kind of stuff, the part I was in a different district at that time and the part of the school politics and the strict rules and the constantly needing to prove my worth in my district to keep my job um, was very stressful. And it got me thinking of, okay, how can I do that? How he's got what I want how can I do that? And so I emailed him and just said, hey, my name is Brenda and I'm really interested in what you do and how you got started. Can I ask you a few questions? And he was very open. He let me call him and I talked to him in person. And, you know, he just said, this is what I did to get started. This is how I, you know, did whatever. And sent me a picture of his studio of how he had his camera set up and how he had some lights set up. And it wasn't anything crazy extravagant. It wasn't anything crazy expensive. And he basically just said, this is how you get started. And so I started working on um, 
some of the some of the things that I I did at, at school I kind of carried over um, carried over into what I was doing online. Now I started first off trying to help art teachers with art lesson plans and all that kind of stuff the the teacher side of it. And again, when we come back to talking about joy, it I love helping art teachers. I I am more than an open book for a lot of teachers to help them get started, but it just was not, it wasn't fun. It wasn't bringing me joy. It wasn't fun. It wasn't something that I, I really looked forward to doing. So I, about a year, about a year and a half ago, decided to change over to um, teaching on teaching classes online, because that's, you know, what I've always done is teach in person and teach people how to create art. And so I came back to that and about a year and a half ago decided, okay, so I'm going to start working with adults. So in the Visual Art Academy, um, I started putting different courses up for adults to take painting and, and art making workshops. And that that was fun. That was really, it's it's fun to see them get excited about making and creating. And that led into the Bring Your Own Brush Club for adults. So I have a group of people that each week we work on a project, we do a painting um, painting workshop, and sometimes it carries over to different, you know, from week to week. But then, you know, teaching with kids is really where my, my heart kind of lies. And so I, with this whole year has just been a crazy year and it's made me see even more importantly, how being able to teach online, um, helps kids and families. Um, so after with everything with COVID, I, um, I had to teach online. Our schools got shut down. Um, our curriculum within two days went from in the live classroom uh, to online. And I kind of felt like I had a leg up because I was already doing some things online. I was already teaching um, things online. And so for me, I already knew how to set up my camera. I just used my iPhone and I could, you know, put, set it up from, set it up in my little studio. I already had set down in my basement. Um, I know Google Classroom and I know Google Meets. So I could do a live lesson with my kids for my, my regular classroom. Um, and so I was like, boy, okay, okay. I am on to something. I am, I am, I am on to this teaching online with kids. I, I know how to do it. I know Google meets. I know the capacity. I know I can have 250 kids in one place at one time. They can see me, they can talk to each other. Um, they can see what I'm doing and how I'm creating. And it's, it's, so exciting and it's so amazing the doors i know i know covid has has um i don't want to say ruined a lot of things it has changed a lot of things but i tend to look at it as the opportunities that have opened up for me and the opportunities that i am able to now give kids online in a different way is super super exciting it's, it's a whole nother way of looking at things. And I think um, once 
educators can see that, yes, it's a hard transition. And if you have no idea how to start it or how to do it or what you're doing or any of that, it's it's a little more difficult. But for those of us that have been doing this stuff online for quite a while, it's an exciting adventure. It's an exciting adventure in a new way to reach more families, more kids, um, give them more experiences, um, give them more experiences on how to make art, how to learn art, how to do all kinds of kinds of different things. I love that. And I, I love the fact that, again, there's this thing about being creative it straddles everything there and what you've just talked about you know you, it doesn't just straddle school lessons and online lessons it straddles the fact that they're school lessons that are online and like you say you know the covid situation has made that um a reality for so many of us but there are opportunities as well as struggles and challenges you're absolutely right and so to then be able to broaden that, to then be able to offer it to individuals who want to be able to learn more art or, or I would say to spread their creative wings in a way that they want to, that's really exciting. And I think that has to be, not has to be the way the world is going. But, you know, I think about, I've talked about this before, about becoming a podcaster. You know, I didn't learn that in school. I didn't then go to podcast college. I didn't then, you know, it everything I needed was out there it was just a question of finding the right people surrounding myself with the right people learning the things that I needed to all of it was sort of backwards and forwards online on a course or being inside a membership group or or anything those sorts of things which really made it possible and then like you say you still have to put the work in you still have to kind of make it happen there's still that process of thought about how do I go from a to b but it's just creating no steps. And I think just even modeling that is incredibly important for kids as, as well as the parents as well, let alone the actual thing that you're teaching itself. Yep. And the nice thing with things like Zoom and Skype and Google Meets and all of these different um, these different outlets that we have, you know, people and kids can see you, you know, versus watching a video or you know, I, I, for a long time, I've had people tell me, mostly adults say, um, you know, well, I can go and I can go on YouTube and I can find that video for free of how to do that. Well, that's great. You know, you can do that. And kids, my kids, I have three kids. They use my two boys, especially use YouTube all the time to my, my youngest just built a skateboard ramp from learning from YouTube, how to, how to build a skateboard ramp. And there's, there's places for that kind of instruction of where it's a one-way street instruction. But when kids are learning, especially um, art and things, I feel like there needs to be a two-way street of instruction. There needs to be give and take and conversation. And I think because everything that's happened, you know, we're, we're so isolated right now um, with lockdowns and things that kids can do their Snapchat and they can do their... Um, you know, FaceTime and they can do whatever, whatever uh, method they do to talk, to talk to their friends, but it's not the same as being in a full class with kids. And I even know as an adult, some of the groups I belong to where we do zoom meetings um, and you get to see each other and talk to each other and, and that kind of thing. It's, it's missing um, if you are just watching a video on how to do something. And so I, I feel like it's it's one of the, it's just a missing piece 
if you are getting instruction that you're just watching and not getting feedback on. And also, you know, you know, like with Skype or whatever, um, you can ask questions and get your questions answered by somebody who knows who what who knows what they're talking about. You know, I, I'm I'm very impatient when it comes to like I need to know this right now. And for me to take a class or to watch a video on how to do something and not understand right away and be like, what am I not getting here? What am I missing? And not being able to ask the questions that I need to ask to find out what I need to find out right away, that drives me crazy. So I think, you know, with with what we're in right now and what we're doing right now, you know, having the ability to do live classes, you know, that's part of my part of my um, junior art academy is to have live classes where, you know, we're together for an hour and we're all working together almost just like in a regular classroom. But kids are able to talk to each other. They're able to talk to me. They're able to be in a, in a regular kind of classroom setting, but that's online. And, and really take us into exactly what the Junior Academy has to offer and all of that, because that's so exciting, that sense of, of that being together, even though it's online and, and, and that amount of time and that creativity. So, so take us through how that works. Sure. So each week we... Um, go into a project. We either talk about um, a little bit of art history and do an activity with the art history pieces. Um, there's also just some, I call it arting around, um, some activity kind of um, exercises that kids are exposed to. And so what happens is with our, um, with our, our projects each week, we will all hop on a Google Meets. Um, we are able to, um, I'm able to show my project, my board, my whatever I'm working on on that in that week. Um, each week is, is a different medium. It's a, it's a different, like the first week in September. Um, we are looking at for the younger group. So the younger group is kindergarten through second grade. We, we, we will be looking at full um, my size scarecrows. So about as tall as they are, um, creating scarecrows that move. So we're looking at kinetic movement. We're looking at um, parts of the parts of the body and and where they move. We're looking at proportion. We're looking at face proportion. And um, you know, we we won't be making you know realistic looking eyes and nose and mouth. We'll be looking more at scarecrow kind of things. But you know, talking about emotion. How do you want your scarecrow to look? What is your scarecrow feeling? Um, what what movements can your scarecrow make? And so, you know, we'll be we're looking at different different parts of art with the elements and principles of art and design, as well as creating creating their piece of artwork. For my older kids, for September, what we'll be doing is we're looking at um, leaves, different kinds of leaves, maple, oak. Um, the different kinds of oak leaves, ash tree leaves, all different kinds of leaves. So we have kind of a little bit of science mixed in. But then also um, kids will be able to either draw or trace the leaves that they choose. It's up to them. Um, we'll be working on black paper, which is totally different. And then um, using a resist technique where we'll be using some oil pastels with um, simple Elmer's glue. Um, to create this really bright, cool, um, 
piece of artwork talking about cool colors, warm colors, um, autumn colors, why do leaves change color, you know, all those kinds of things um, in, a, in a project. So that's about a, a one or two week, depending on how fast the kids move. I'm going to kind of gauge it to kind of the kids and how fast they work. Um, but then we meet and and I'll be demonstrating and then they'll be working and then I'll be demonstrating and then they'll be working. And so um, we can show each other's, you know, so, OK, put your put your paper up. Let me see where you're at. And so we can we can work together as a class and as a group to to make it all to make it all come together. So each week there's a, there's a project. Um, each month is a, each month is a theme. I have it where kids are able to um, ask questions, even if they're, if they're at home and they're working, they, we have a private Facebook group um, to where kids can ask questions. Um, we have our art gallery in there, and then we'll have an artist of the week each week um, to show kids work and, and what they're working on and, my hope is to be able to have kids send in a little video um, to me telling me telling me about the work that they're doing, you know, what they like about the work that they did, what, you know, just answering a couple little questions each week and kind of highlighting their successes. Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, that's that's our that's our junior art academy. So each month is a different theme. Each week is a different project. Um, lots of great little um, other activities and exercises for kids to learn elements and principles of art, which goes back to learning those basics of everything you need um, to be successful in art, but learning them, but maybe not even understanding or learning, knowing that you're learning them until you understand and learn them. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's the, uh, that's the junior art Academy in a nutshell. Fantastic. Now that sounds really exciting, and exciting not just in terms of, of obviously the quality and and what people can get from that, but from an education on fire point of view. I love joining all these dots, and what I mean by that is the fact that no matter where you're listening to, listening to this podcast from, or what you're doing, you're listening to Brenda. She's explaining what it is that she offers, and she lives in the United States. It makes no difference where you're living in terms of being involved in how all that works. Right. But also you. You know, just by having listened to the podcast, we could then morph and help and support everybody. So you've now got the opportunity to to take part in that if that's something which you think would be really great for you to do. But also, Brenda is in our private Facebook group, and so she's part of our sort of extended education on fire community. And so you have that direct ability to be able to talk to somebody that you've heard on the podcast that's helping sort of grow our kind of essence of where we're going and what we're doing and how we can bring all of these skills and all this understanding together. And that's what I find really exciting at the moment, the way that we're not just talking about here's something that you can find online we're talking about real people doing real things and as we've been talking about you know that real passion and understanding of why we're doing it and how we're doing it and the way that we're doing it but also being able to be part of this sort of overall community as well and, and I think that is the essence of how education will progress it's a way that we can learn it morphs and straddles school and online and personal and a system-based idea of learning as well and and that I find really exciting because we're not waiting for someone to change the entire school system we're understanding that even within those systems we have control over some of the things that we can do as well and here's how you can go and do it right and I think too with you know I I 
myself have three kids. I have one um, daughter who's a, a university student. I have a high school student and I have a middle school student. And so I know things have been slowed down a little bit now, but I understand how busy families are and how um, those that choose to homeschool, their schedules are different than regular um, school kid school schedules. Um, so part of part of what I'm doing as well is also uh, recording the live um, lesson sessions. So, you know, say you are somewhere over in the UK and, you know, it's 11 o'clock a.m. right now my time. I know it's the evening time for you, um, depending on what ha what works better for people's schedules, you know, things can be recorded and will be added to our, to our group or my, the page, um, so that people can hop in and hop out as they need to, just because I know how busy families are, but then having that private Facebook group that, which is a safe place, um, to be able to ask questions and and carry on conversations with each other there too, you know that's important as well. Just knowing that people have lots of things going on all at all times, and so being as accommodating as humanly possible um, is important to me as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's take a moment here for you to tell people where they can go and register and, and find out more about that, just so that they've got that. Just before we then carry on and finish off with some great advice that you can leave us with. Sure. So our Facebook group is the Junior Art Academy. Um, you can hop on there um, to the to the Facebook page. Actually, um, we will be creating a private Facebook group. Um, you can also find more information at thevisualartacademy.com, um, where we will be putting up more information on how to join the Junior Art Academy there. Um, the visualartacademy.com is just overall umbrella for for creative lessons for adults and kids, but there is a separate kids section. Um, so you'll be able to get to go there as well. Or if you also, there's a Facebook page for the Visual Art Academy. Um, if you have questions or, or have anything that you um, are looking to find out more about, you can go there as well. Fantastic. And we'll have links to all of those things on the show notes of this podcast. So if you go to educationonfire.com and in the search bar, just write Brenda Mullard, then that'll come up as well. So so we'll make it as easy as possible for you to find everything you want, depending on what it is that you're looking for, the junior side, the adult side, and all of those things together. So we, we've talked about some some really insightful things I think today in terms of careers and following your passion and how joy fits in and how that works within the traditional sense of of education and, and all of those kind of things but what was the best advice that you've been given and can you remember who gave it to you? Yes so the best advice that I was given was by that um, college professor um, at UW Oshkosh here in Wisconsin his name was David Hodge. He was the professor that I went to when I was looking at changing back to art education for my major. And his advice to me was, Brenda, art has you, you don't have it. And he basically told me that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you can run, but you can't hide. Um, art will find you if it's in you, it will find you. And you will come back to it eventually one way or another. 
I love that. It's, it's such a it's such a simple way of putting it, isn't it? But yeah. it's so profound in that kind of yeah. It, it's in you. It is you. You're expressing yourself through it, and no matter what the external side of it is, then and and it, and it links so well to that sense that almost everything that you have and need to know and want to explore is inside you, and that's just that just sort of really confirms that. Right. That's exactly. Art has you. You don't have it. It's <laughs> <laughs> that easy. Um, and what advice would you give your younger self now, looking back? Um, I would probably tell myself to follow your heart. Follow what you feel is right, not what other people are telling you that is right. Um, do what makes you happy. And don't worry about trying to... Don't worry about trying to make money off of what you think you should do. Don't worry so much about the money because whatever you, whatever you do that you love, the money will follow. So just to wrap up, is there a resource that's had a really big impact on your life, whether it's a podcast, a book, a video, film, song, anything, but something which had a, an impact and, and a reason why you think that that was the case? Um, I don't know if I can, I can nail down a, a direct resource, but um, I think one of the one of the things that has really helped me, especially with my junior art academy um, things, is the ability to get into groups, um, Facebook groups that are that are directly related to what I'm doing, um, either professionally or. Uh, four groups of people. So um, I've been able to meet some amazing, amazing people like yourself um, through different groups I've belonged to. Um, you know, we, we met online through, uh, through a group that we had belonged to and that was a professional group. Um, and, and we were able to meet other people as well. I find that a lot of uh, Facebook groups that I belong to, I kind of meet people through there. And then the relationship and the the things I learn through them with them kind of kind of evolves as time goes on. And it's it's through those groups that I think I learn the most of what people need, what people are looking for. You know, they they answer questions for me. Uh, They help me. They encourage me. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's just finding, finding your crew really of, of no matter what it is that you are trying to learn, trying to teach, trying to do, it's finding people to surround yourself with that can push you forward or that you can help or, um, that you're doing all the same things and you're working toward the same goals that you can, that you can, uh, help each other out and and work together with each other. I think that's, as far as a resource, I think that's probably been one of the most um, helpful, encouraging, growing um, professionally that I've done is, is through groups. I think that's right. And I think in this modern day and age, the fact that you can, you can find people and so easily now, you know, it's not the, the person down the road who might have the same interest in view it's the fact that if the you know the seven billion people in the world there are going to be many people that have the same interests 
now you can just go and find them and um and like you say the the amount of when you find your crew I lo- I love that you know the amount of support and help and understanding and guidance that you can get is is just invaluable and it and it was certainly true in in so many aspects of what I've been learning and sort of from an online ex- uh, of an online experience and and the more and more I do it the the more and more friendly place I find it to inhabit and I think when that then crosses over to like say those personal relationships the fact that you know for example we were able to to hang out in Nashville for a few days on a conference and then you know to be able to to experience that with a group of like-minded people I think is is powerful and it's it is transformative and and even if things are constantly morphing people are on that path with you and they can really help and and give you that guidance that you need sometimes when you're not even quite sure what that is so I think that's incredibly important I agree. I agree. Brenda, thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's it's exciting for me from a personal point of view to sort of see how these things have morphed for you and and some of the great stuff that I know that I've witnessed that you've been doing online as well and, and for being part of our Education on Fire Facebook group and I'm looking forward to how that's going to grow as we start to develop some of our plans of getting even more resources for children to help achieve children in no matter what their circumstances to start to have a real understanding of these kind of conversations these kind of sort of life skills in the broadest sense that people can start to really take to heart and and just leave us with again the website again so that people can go and check out all the all the wonderful stuff that you're doing and then we can say goodbye sure the website is the visualartacademy.com fantastic thank you so much and i look forward to chatting again very soon Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for the amazing podcast you've got going here. It's it's great. And I'm just, just very honored to be a part of it. I'd like to thank the National Association for Primary Education for their continued support and sponsorship of this show. NAPA currently supporting teachers by producing fortnightly videos which cover themes like art, school trips and literacy. Also, they are giving away e-copies of their professionally produced journal, Primary First. To find out more about the association, please go to nape.org.uk. That's N-A-P-E Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.